I should turn turn me self down a little bit. Okay. Just, so we've got uh, just a smidgen. The su- That's my uh, my input volume, and then I turn it down to like ninety eight, and then it's normal again. Hmm. So I don't I don't know what's up. With it's that, like some sort of weird sweet spot thing. Well, I mean, decibels are in a logarithmic scale that like get get bigger as like the the the, the individual tens get bigger the higher up you go. Mm-hmm. It's weird like that. It do be weird. It do. Doobie doobie it doobie. do be like that sometimes. Shooby dooby doo wa shooby dooby doo wa. I need to rewatch some Phineas and Virgin at some point. I need. I've only like seen about thirty percent of the show, mm-hmm. uh, just from watching it at other places and in passing at my house when other people are watching on TV Disney and Plus not now, there. Oh yeah, yeah, not Netflix anymore. It's on Disney Plus. Yeah. I enjoyed most of it, except for some of the musical bits were a little annoying to me. But it's a kids show, so that's to be expected. Yeah, I feel like um, they had they like part of the bit was to stick to a formula, mm-hmm. and part of the formula was a song in every episode. And when you have to crank some out, songs were bangers though, right? It, w- like simp. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, what? Remember squirrels in my pants? Oh. <laughs> They predicted simping years and years before it was a term. Uh, uh, circa like what, 2012, 2011, something like that. I, something like I that. I remember yeah. all of the t-shirts and like Target and like Kohl's. All the, Kohl's. Kohl's department stores. Um, yeah, because I, I, I thought that Agent P was a pigeon. <laughs> From just looking at it while we were shopping for things. I see. And then, because it used to say stuff like bird is the word or whatever next to it. And I was like, what the heck is this green thing? I thought that was Family Guy. Was there an episode? Yes, that was Family Guy. Oh, maybe it was the other part of like the the printed t-shirt section. I was getting it confused with. But yeah, it was like, and then I eventually watched it. I was like, this show kind of slaps. This is... This is good content. It's a show that's self-aware about how formulaic children's shows are. Mm-hmm. And so it's so formulaic that it's own, it's its own joke. Yeah. And yet they lean into it so hard that the, it, it's so it like, it's that good. enables them to do different things with that formula because they acknowledge it's a formula. They know they have to start and end in a place. Mm-hmm. It's just how they get there that gets weird. Mm-hmm. I like the episode. An absolute banger of a theme song. Yeah, oh, absolutely. For sure. Brought, uh, brought to you by Smashing Pumpkins, or no, not Smashing Pumpkins, Bowling for Soup. Apparently, did that. They're they're intro. abusing a different kind of food. <laughs> yeah, but that was funny when I found that out. I I mean, if I knew who they were, I think my freshman year, Bowling for Soup was playing on campus, and I never actually went to any campus concerts because they usually didn't have anyone I'd be interested in. But, um. But yeah, it's uh, Phineas and Ferb. It's uh, when you speed up some Green Day songs, it does kind of sound like Phineas. <laughs> and then Ferb, 
probably oh gosh my younger brothers were watching this on tv and then they would try to explain to me what it was and they weren't the most articulate seven and eight year old in the olds in the world so aaron would be like hey there's this crazy show called furbs like Furbs, like Furbies, like made a show out of Furbies. No, or like Furbs, the magazine you know, about rich people. Yeah, it, it's <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and I'd be like, "Oh, you mean Phineas and Ferb? Yeah, yeah, Furbs. No, 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 Phineas and Ferb, dude. Like it says like on the title, but but Phineas is hard to spell for a twelve-year-old. My little brothers were oddly insistent on on like their version of what something was called versus what it actually was ups even though it says ups on the truck they'd be like hey the pus truck is here <laughs> they did this for a long time it'd be like you, know, you, you, you both have dyslexia don't you right yeah <laughs> yeah i got my package from pus like stop saying that it sounds like you're saying pos uh which point of sale what's wrong with that yeah exactly um yeah they're little, little things like that where they're what was oh yeah like they hurt their each other like their each other instead of each other their each other <laughs> yeah <laughs> and it was what's up each other yeah they <laughs> they had this fascinating way of just like twisting things their own version that if you knew that made sense but it was just like how on earth did you arrive at that <laughs> like even the other day I was talking to Aaron, and he was like, remember back when we were childs? <laughs> like, what? Okay, when that, we were caught. That that's got to be ironic, right? When, when, he, when you were a, a, a 90s uh, TV chef. <laughs> Julia Childs. <laughs> the, I, don't, I never watched Julia Childs, but I did watch um, a, like an SNL skit or something where she like, well, cuts herself and slowly bleeds out. Basically, like a guy dressed up in a wig or whatever and it's like uh, first thing you do is you call 911 oh wait this is phone's fake it doesn't work <laughs> yeah it's just this long thing so i i did actually see her at some points during my childhood we had a uh, satellite tv that only got uh pbs and ewtn <laughs> yep. uh as as good catholic parents we, do. Did, we didn't even get pbs we just had the ewtn so we would watch uh, you know Junior. we would watch the the pbs kids stuff but then like on saturday over pancakes we'd there'd be like the the EWTN kids shows that were mediocre to there was like those weird great. animated flash cartoons they had that were dubbed English from Spanish mm-hmm. like super low budget um, all, all of it was low budget it's, yeah it's Christian animation Do you didn't have very much of they, a budget. when I was little they had a couple of shows on there where they're actually really good like for I mean for Christian entertainment you know it's pretty bottom of the barrel in terms of production quality but there was this one cartoon called The Story Keepers. Story Keepers came to mind yeah. immediately also. Yeah, that had one a, was actually a good show. It had a rock and theme song. Yeah, <laughs> it was I, I need to look that up because it was uh it was about Christians underground in the underground church in ancient Rome and it was like really well written, good animation, good acting, voice acting and stuff. So was, but this is by Christian TV standards. Right, so. but even so but even like, even so it was it was 
moderately mostly positive memories quality. in my brain pardon me there's veggie tales okay veggie tales is good that's not the stuff you get on ewt no they would, that's direct veggie to video tales stuff. was never good enough Ve- for veggie tales is like the top shelf christian entertainment it was too good for ewt <laughs> <laughs> children's programming <laughs> i hated the ones where it was just some gal who got like bless her heart she's probably i don't know there there or some lady would just like sit down with these kids and tell them bible stories and it was like the most mind-numbing thing to watch because it's like there were there's no visuals or anything they're just sitting on this film set telling these kids about something or other and i was like why am i watching this there's not i'm not really watching anything this was like before audiobooks even like <laughs> it was very dull to my little crazy eight-year-old brain but I'm sure it was probably good stuff. But the, the problem was the rest of EWTM was like that, where it was just older adults talking about stuff that was way over my head, and it just bored me to death. Which that was that was the other stuff Dad, Mom would watch like in the evening sometimes. Mother Angelica. And okay, Mother Angelica was good. She made sense. <laughs> but uh, I think Father Mitch Paco actually said Mass at Cathedral a couple times when I was young. I was like, wait a minute, you're on TV. At my house, anyway. I mean, not, not a ton of other people's houses. But, um, yeah, EWTN, not not great children's content. And the thing is, they still play the exact same stuff and every once in a while. Well, most of it is, like, dubbed from Spanish. And it's like... Because nobody in America likes Christian content. The wildest... Or wants I, to make it. The famous. wildest content they had for kids was probably the Old Testament anime. That was wild. Like I that, that was either before or after my time. Yeah, because I can't even remember what it was called, but it was definitely like, yeah, I, I think it was it was it was anime about the Old Testament, and it. I'm gonna have to look this up. I know this might have to be a future episode. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I already read the manga, so. <laughs> <laughs> Because, like, I did, I, we didn't watch anime when I was little, so I didn't know what it was. But then, like, when we started watching some anime shows and stuff, like, now that I look back on it, that was anime. Like, a lot of it was, like, about Abraham and Isaac and stuff like that. Like, it was sure. okay, but the the sound quality was a little weird. With Like, the sound effects sounded like it was, like, in a, inside of a metal tube with, like, that sort of really, like, this sort of doingy-sounding echo to it. Mm. Um, and then the audio quality wasn't great on the voice acting either, but the music was kind of wild too. It's kind of just how 90s animated shows were. True, they yeah. like cream of the crop budget the kind of productions. The episode on the Golden Calf was slightly traumatizing though because they were just <laughs> like, like Moses orders like the faithful to like slaughter the the ones who were no longer faithful or something and that sequence was like what the <laughs> oh <laughs> it was just like man they're really going to town on these unbelievers Oof. um but yeah i i don't remember the name of it but yeah that that was weird yeah that that does sound like it was weird <laughs> <laughs> every now and again like my siblings and i will like sit and chat about like random stuff like that that we used to watch it's like oh i totally forgot that was a thing i was like okay so that was real you remember it too (laughs) um but yeah that's enough about my childhood uh time for our weekly seminary checkup Mm -hmm. what's going on with you 
Oh, we're still all sad and lonely because of the COVID. Mm. We're not technically supposed to be visiting each other's rooms and whatnot, even if we do wear the mask. Oh, that's unfortunate. Which is the big sad, but hopefully by this weekend we have one guy with an active case still. Mm. So he's supposed to be out on Sunday. Hopefully we can... Uh, Get him out and get no one else sick in the process. Mm -hmm. And be free once more. I've that had, will be a good thing. I to want have to happen. break free by Queen stuck in my head all day. And that's like immediately popped into my head <laughs> when you said get free. Well, hopefully, yeah, because community obviously is one of the big, big uh, bonuses of seminary life, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. with, the, with the dudes. It's like the thing that gets you through seminary. Yeah. Really? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Um. 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 Nothing really new on this end, other than looking for potential new home for the for the two thirds of the for the lads. Yeah. For the boys. There was the fellas. We had a bit of a fiasco with James's. Xbox controller he tried to buy. Oh yeah, well it's an off brand. It's an off brand, so he wanted to save money, but you get what you pay for. Yeah, the left bumper doesn't work. And I was looking forward to, well, we actually did manage to get Jedi Fallen Order running with using that, which mm -hmm. was nice. Much later you than had to I remap one of the one of the controls yeah. though, and so there's just a control a, a function you can't do. I haven't gotten to the point where I need to use that function yet. Not yet. So but far, it's fun, but I do have some it's mostly for trying cosmetics. to uh, get into the mechanics of it. Mm -hmm. There's just things that are like, mm, I, this doesn't sit well with me. I don't know why. Double tapping, dodge to roll. Right. I, I very much am against that. <laughs> it's like, give me a committed dive roll arc or give me the short dodge I do all the time. Don't Don't make me double tap. You wouldn't make me double tap to heavy attack, would you? That I'm, would be dumb. You would constantly miss input and in the heat of a battle. There are different button combos for... Right, sure. Those are like combos. It's not like you tap a button to do one move and double tap it to do another. Well... You tap it twice in a row to hit, hit, yes. But you... they but. Tapping and double tapping don't have completely separate functions. After Nathan played it, I went back and did like the challenge mode that I unlocked when I beat the game, and there was one move I didn't realize was even a move. <laughs> oh, I just sort of like wait, wait, wait. What was that? And what apparently, when you hold down attack, I'm not sure if this is like something I unlocked at some point and forgot about it. But when you hold down attack, it does like a series of attacks that caps off. So kind of like how the enemies you know, have their cycle of attacks. Oh, sure. So that was like, oh, well, that would have been nice. Oh, well. But I well, we're not talking about Jedi film. We are talking today. about Star Wars today. We are the Palladium Papists. I'm James. I'm Nathan. And I'm Riley. And today we're getting philosophical. In a world where one man will decide whether to pull a lever and kill one man. Or not pull a lever and allow five people to die. Find out in Philosophical.
So yeah, we're uh, this is our Welcome first to Philosophical, where we get philosophical about, about films. films. Yes, I mean even though all the bumpers are great, that's my personal favorite <laughs> bumper right uh, there. Definitely my favorite. I, I love that one. Shout out to John. You probably know who you are slash recognize his voice at this point. So I, I mean, I hope he knows who he is. At this point. <laughs> that would be unfortunate if he didn't. So you may be thinking, wait a minute, I'm a faithful listener of this podcast. I know that they already talked about the Stars War, and you are correct, but we didn't necessarily talk about all of it because there's a lot more than the core six, okay, technically nine, but the six films people care about. Um, there are the two Star Wars stories that we're talking about today. Um, Solo, which came out, I believe, let's see, in 2018, and mm. Rogue One, 2015, right? Which came out in 2016. 16, okay. So, um, these two films were sort of part of an effort that recently has been sort of replaced by TV series. By the Disney Plus stuff. Yeah, because yeah, uh, they were they were going to after making well this came out sort of in the middle of the sequel trilogy being released like in the off years because they did every two years um but yeah so there's star wars has an expanded universe right now a lot of it was like comic books novels and things like that people had written the holiday special the two (laughs) ewok movies all, all sorts of lore and games and different things that had sort of added onto the Star Wars universe. And when Disney bought Lucasfilm, they sort of reworked the canon a bit. They didn't rework it. They axed everything that wasn't the main movie of the Clone Wars. But Yeah. But, Which well, gave them... Slowly working working that stuff back into it, though. Right. They're, they're retelling some of the stories and reincorporating some of the good ideas and then just dropping some of the stuff that was just like, why? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so let's see. Where do we uh, to begin? Uh, we have Solo, which is, uh, as you might guess, Han Solo's origin story. It's Han Solo's solo film, mm-hmm. which was, I mean, when you pay attention to the ending of the movie, it's like they clearly intended to do more, but they didn't do very well in IHOP. I mean, in movie theaters. So they uh, <laughs> it it the ratings were so low. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> All right. So. Uh, start us off with Solo. So we have our, and I, well, our main starts character. starts out on Corellia, the yes. planet which builds ships. Mm-hmm. Junk planet. Yeah. Um, so you have Han Solo and his girlfriend, um, whose name is? Amelia Clark. Yeah, Amelia Clark. <laughs> Heartthrob. That, that's, that's her name. Yes. But she, yeah. she has a. That is the name of the character. Yeah. Amelia Clark as herself. <laughs> Rizzo the rat as himself. Um, Kira, I think that's how it's spelled weird. Not how I expected it. Okay. So Han and Kira are sort of kind of enslaved to this local crime boss gang lord person on this junk planet, right? And so they are trying to collect money so they can get off the planet and start a new life for themselves among ourselves uh, among the stars, right? Um, and so Han steals this. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of this material. 
It's this very valuable, very volatile, precious. It's the light speed juice. The light speed juice that it's everybody it's, needs. It's the hyperspace fuel mm-hmm. that helps them jump to light speed. Verdanium? Is that what it was called again? Anyway, so he steals this little, he pilfers this thing, which is worth a little thing, which is worth a lot of money. And so they make a break for it and run away from the gang, Mr. Mob Boss Snake Water Lady um, and her minions. But these guys are sort of in league with the Empire on the planet a bit, it's implied. So they. Uh, well, because they're shipbuilders, so they're making yeah. all sorts of Star Destroyers and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so the soldiers are looking for them and they get separated at the airport. Um, Kira gets caught and Han makes it through. And uh, in order to escape the law, however, he joins the Imperial Academy in the hopes of becoming a pilot. Sort of enlists for service to get, you know, to eventually achieve his freedom. So years later, he sort of doesn't flunk out, but he sort of quits the Imperial Academy because he's too cool for school kind of a thing. And ends up as just like a grunt sort of troop, not stormtrooper, but like, Apparently, they're they're more elite than regular troopers. Mm-hmm. Couldn't tell by how well they shoot, but right. These uh, he's he's a imperial grunt on this muddy, murky, rebel planet of some sort, fighting a very muddy battle against the empire, and he's there not against helping. the empire for the empire. Right, you're right. Um, he's fighting for the empire against this rebellion. Um. And it's just chaos he wants out of there. And by happenstance, he stumbles across this group of um, not bounty hunters, but like kind of pirate smuggler marauder gangs led by uh, Woody Harrelson, whose character is um, Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson. (laughs) Yeah. He's another one of those actors who just plays himself in every movie. Um trying to remember his name though oh beckett that's what he is beckett and his crew and so uh he's like hey i'm a good pilot you guys they just lost their pilot or something by accident in the battle uh no the pilot's still up there he he gets lost later oh you're right you're right um he finds out or these people are in disguise amongst the imperials trying to steal something and he's like hey i know what you're what you're doing I want out of here. I want to join your crew. And they're like, hey, whatever. Hey, there's a deserter here. And so they quote unquote turn him into the other Imperials. And so they throw him into a cage and feed him to the beast. Lo and behold, the beast is Chewbacca. So that's how they met. So that's how they met. So that's how that happened is sort of this movie that, that that's the whole, that's the whole point of the movie so that's how solo got the thing so that's what that means yeah it's like i think at some point kira gives han like those dice or whatever he hangs on the rearview mirror of his millennium falcon or whatever no he gives them to her at the beginning oh the beginning you're of right the movie and then she gives them back by the end yep yep spoilers so it's like kira okay so that's how that happened sure okay um Honestly, I didn't even notice the dice until like episode eight when they put a focus on them. Mm-hmm. I still don't understand the significance, honestly. Me either. But at any rate, so Chewbacca and Han are in this cage thing, and he's like, oh, I speak a little bit of Wookiee. And so he starts talking Chewie into not eating him. And he's like, hey, you help me out. I'll help you out of here. I've got a ship we can escape. 
he's sort of you know he's a smooth talker so he doesn't exactly have a ship he's still hoping to convince these smugglers they let him join so they escape the cage and then as the crew is making a break for it beckett sort of has a change of heart and allows them to escape with them not just a change of heart he's got a wookie and they're helpful they're strong yeah they're they're they're, they're good at ripping boys. arms off and that sort of thing if you play lego star wars or whatever but that's um, the thing they do in the movies too yeah that's true they make reference to it mm-hmm. so they're like okay we're gonna do this heist and steal all of this uh fuel stuff um from a imperial train so they go to this planet start the heist and then this sort of tribal raider group interrupts things and sort of messes up the heist and a couple of beckett's crew members get killed including his lover and their pilot um and so there it's just left with beckett han and chewy and they are going to steal some of the stuff but they're about to run into a mountain so they have to jettison it to survive and there's a big explosion and sad times um and so they're like well um beckett's like well okay we're in trouble because i was doing this job to pay back my debt to this syndicate called the crimson dawn um so they go to the crimson dawn dudes um they go dryden vision dryden vision dryden boss (laughs) um on his home ship or whatever and like he's space yacht space yacht crime boss dude and uh he's like all right well oh by the way kira's here what kira's here and so she's like hey uh han what are you doing here and then and you know they're and he's like what are you doing here she's like i work here she's being like, kind well, of cryptic about it now like she like he, she won't say exactly what happened to her after they got separated but she's here now so he's trying to make moves on her and get win her back, but it's been a long time. And she's like, you you don't understand what I'm in right now. So Dryden's like, okay, I'm really mad at you, but it's not me you have to be worried about. It's the people I answer to. So uh, do this other heist and make the Kessel Run to get this material um, and get, get the money back basically so you can pay us back and just to make sure you guys do it right and don't mess up this time i'm sending kira with you like okay well we need a ship so let's go around go around see if we can find a really fast ship because ours got wrecked um and so they go around i know a guy with a fast ship Mm -hmm. and they go find this gambling den where there's lando calrissian and han tries to gamble him for his ship and loses with a literal card up of Lando's sleeve. Um, but they, they hire Lando and they go do this heist and steal the, the uh, fuel and stuff. And then they jump into space on the Millennium Falcon. And Wait, Land- that date, there's the Millennium Falcon in this movie? Yes. The wow, Millennium there's Falcon. the Millennium Falcon in this movie. As all of the astute <laughs> fans... Wow, Han Solo, there's the Millennium Falcon in yeah. this movie? No. All of the astute fans will recognize that, oh... Han did win the ship in a gambling match from but, Lando. But not ah. at the beginning of the movie. Right, not at the beginning of the movie. Psych, but not really. It's like, okay, he's going to get the ship at some point. But at any rate, so they do the heist. Things don't go quite according to plan, but they're making escape. They're escaping. They're trying to escape this black hole and a big 
space jellyfish monster thing. There was a couple steps you skipped in there when they grabbed the stuff and met oh, yeah. Chewie's family and then left. After oh, that's that. right. I, to be honest, like I've only seen this movie twice and I fell asleep <laughs> the second time. <laughs> but it's after they get the raw materials yeah. yep. uh, that they go through this uh, nebula full of black holes, right? Mm-hmm. And they're on a time limit because this stuff is unstable. So if it gets too hot, they're all gone for. Mm-hmm. But by some miracle and some last-minute calculations by a computer lady, they plugged into the because Falcon she got blown up died. and she's apparently Lando's best friend or whatever. So they make her part of the ship. It's like, oh, okay, part of the crew, part of the ship. Yep. Uh, anyway, so that that that's how they get out of that scenario and get it mm-hmm. to a refinery where they can distill it into the, the yeah, proper shul. Shul. Fuel. <laughs> this the proper. That's stable. Synagogue. Stable fuel. The proper synagogue. I don't know why I said it like Shul. that. <laughs> they were Jewish, by the way. Uh, at any rate, so yeah, so they they get the coaxium. I think they stick like a little bit of this really volatile raw fuel into the hyperdrive so they can get out of this black hole or whatever. And so they go to this planet where there's a refinery, but and then the tribe people who interrupted the coaxium heist at the beginning of the movie show up and like, hey, Crimson Dawn is evil. Give it to us. We're good guys. We're trying to save people. We can use this to do good. And so Han is like, you know, we should really help these people, Beckett. And he's like, nah, dude, I just want my money. You're soft. So they go to Dryden and pretend to give him the coaxium. And Or no. No, they give him actual they, Yeah, they give him the actual coaxium, but they pretend. He's like, he thinks it's fake. Because he was tipped off by Beckett. Oh, double cross. Mm -hmm. And it turns out, nope, it was real. So they get in a fight. Beckett betrays Han, or tries to. Everybody betrays everybody in this scene. Yeah. They get into a fight. They kill Dryden. Beckett tries to run off with a coaxium. But... And Kira's like, I'll, I'll catch up with you later. Go downstairs while I talk to... Darth Maul's in this movie. Bum, bum, bum. Bum. That doesn't go anywhere, but it, right. it's a thing. It was meant to, but it didn't. And let's see. Yeah, and then um, they they killed uh, Han kills Dryden, or not not Dryden. Well, oh yeah, he Kira, kills Dryden. Kira killed Dryden. Yeah, and then Han kills Beckett, mm. who's who's trying to double cross and shoot him again. But Han shot first. Mm-hmm. Han definitely shot first in this scenario. And uh, he he was holding um, Chewie hostage in this situation. So they give the coaxium to these rebel people so they can live to fight another day against the Empire or whatever. He's like, hey, you, you could really help us with the rebellion. He's like, nah, I'm more of a free spirit. You know, like sort of a foreshadowing of something we've already seen in episode four where the rebels are trying to get him to join, whatever. And then he goes and tracks down Lando and wins the Falcon from him in a poker match, basically. It, but this time it's all fair and square because he uh, stole the secret card up his sleeve. So, mm-hmm. so that's like, oh, so that's why he said he wanted from you fair and square. Oh, oh that's na- how that happened. <laughs> this is, oh, that's how that happened, the movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, yeah, they're like, hey. I heard about this crime boss on Tatooine who wants somebody to smuggle for him. Let's go get that job. 
Oh, and that's where episode four Han comes from. Oh, so oh, that's, that's how, how it happened. happened. <laughs> so that's solo right there. Um, we'll we'll get into analysis after we finish with Rogue One, which has got substantially more substance. Substantially more substance. Yeah, that's yeah. so. So both of these films, I guess, mm-hmm. we forgot to say, take place between episode three and episode four of the main saga. They're prequels to the originals and sequels to the prequels. Mm-hmm. Try to keep up. So. <laughs> That's Star Wars for you. That's Star Wars. Well, hey, look, it's Star Wars. Um, speaking of callbacks. Uh, right. So Rogue One. Um, A Star Wars. You story. have the... Uh, you have... What's her face? Jin um, Erso. Jin Erso, played by Felicity Jones. And all these other people. And Alan Tudyk is in there somewhere. Um... So, Galen Erso is this engineer helping to build the Death Star. And he's like, dang, this Death Star is going to kill a lot of people. And I don't, this is goes against my beliefs. I'm going to hide a weakness in the Death Star and run off with my family to this planet to hide from the Empire. And he and his wife and Jin, his little girl are living on this planet in isolation until the empire eventually tracks them down. And, um, let's see, Orson Krennic, who is the Imperial weapons director, tracks him down, played by bad guy, extraordinaire man from all of the movies. Um, let's see, Ben Mendelsohn, I think. Is that who I think it is? Yes. Ben Mendelsohn. So he's like in, the Dark Knight Rises, and I think uh, Ready Ready Player One, like the main bad guy from that. He's oh, yeah, uh, the main bad guy in the Robin Hood movie we hate so much. Oh yeah, yeah. He's he's just the bad guy in the movie. Duh. Anyway, so he and his dark trooper badass soldiers. That's that's the one for this this episode. Track him down. He's like, you know, a man of your talents on the planet like this is a simple farmer. What a waste. Come with us so we won't hurt your family. And then his wife tries to save Galen from going with the Empire. So they kill her. And they'd already sent um, Jin to hide in a safe place. And so he agrees to go with um, the Imperial guys to save his daughter, who is picked up by a rebel militant named Saw Gerrera and raised by him. Um, so years later, Jin is sort of making her way as on her own as sort of a rogue. She had gone with, um, Saw as rebels for a while and then split off to do her own thing. Um, so there, meanwhile, Galen gives the secret to this defector, cargo pilot for the empire and he directs him to take it to Sagarera, and so the guy goes to the planet of let's see what we're trying to the planet of desert desert planet where they are harvesting kyber crystals which original which used to be used to power lightsabers but now they're being collected to power the death star um so yeah this pilot goes to this planet and gets picked up by Sagrera's rebels and held captive because they don't trust him because he's an Imperial and they've been trying to kill this dude for years. 
Um, Jin gets arrested by the Empire. Um, and yeah, she she's sent off to a labor camp, and then she's rescued by another group of rebels led by Cassian Andor and his buddy um reprogrammed imperial droid k2so Mm -hmm. potassium sulfate and uh well if you had the four anyway (sighs) congratulations you're being rescued really salty droid probably my favorite character in the movie um and so they oh the planet's called jetta oh okay so they they're like hey you know sol guerrera he doesn't he doesn't play well even with uh other rebels so how about we send somebody who knows him to go talk to him to try and get the information from this pilot because it's going to be helpful because he probably won't kill you so they go track down Sagara and he's like hey saw it's been a long time hey jen it's been a long time look how big you got no thanks to you whatever you know sort of father figure moment and so they get the message from this pilot and then the Death Star, meanwhile, has been completed, and yeah, mostly, completed. mostly completed. And they're like, and uh, Grand Moff Tarkin is like, you know, we need like an opportunity. PlayStation Five, Grand Moff Tarkin. Yeah, because <laughs> the uh, Peter Cushing is dead. Yeah. Um. So they they did some CGI on him, and it sort of works on a, on a double. Like, <laughs> it's all right. It's not the best thing, but. They, um, they're like, okay, well, we, we want to do a weapons test. You know, we're done with this Jetta planet. Let's, let's, uh, blow up part of the surface to test the proof of concept. And, uh, the, the Mr. Bad Guy man, um, Krennic is mad that, uh, that Moff is stealing his thunder because he oversaw building the Death Star. And then Grand Moff's like, well, I just outrank you. And then Krennic tries to go over to go over Moff's head or get Darth Vader to intervene. Intervene, and he's like, "Be careful not to choke on your aspirations," and while choking him a little bit. It's like, is that a dad joke? Um, <laughs> why would you say that? That that was the first <laughs> inclination that maybe he had a son. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So that's that all is going on in the background. So while Jin is on the planet, they test fire the Death Star at Jeddah and set up a massive explosion. And so Saw is like, you need to get out of here, take the intel, save the dream, save the rebellion, and take this to the rebels on Yavin. Um, also on the planet, they picked up two more characters. Yeah. Two Chirrut, of the best characters, actually. Chirrut is one, and the other one is Bay's. So they were formerly monks, which there's this sort of semi-Jedi order on this planet, which is kind of strong with the Force, but they've been sort of suppressed by the Empire. Chirrut is a blind but very Force-sensitive. I'm one with the Force, the Force is with me, and one with the Force, you know, uh, who is just crazy good at fighting, even though he's blind because he trusts the Force that much. Cool guys. And so his buddy Baze has a machine gun, and he sort of looks out for Chirrut. So they all go off together. And um, uh, Cassian is sort of a secret agent slash assassin for the rebels. And he's sort of a anti-hero more than a hero at this point in his life. So they're, they, because Jin sees the message of her dad explaining the weakness that he 
hid in the Death Star, he um he's like um crap, that was just a notification on my He's like Jin, take this to the rebels. I trust you, my stardust. So she knows it's him because that's that's the nickname that he always used to give her. And Cassian's like, this guy's responsible for building the Death Star. Um, my rebel commanders are telling me I need to go take this guy out. So they go to the planet where her father's working with these engineers. And she doesn't know that they're going to assassinate him. She thinks they're going to rescue him. And she goes to this planet. And lo and behold, Krennic is back because he realizes there's a mole and trying to figure out who it is. And so in the chaos of the rebels getting there and Jin trying to rescue her father, her father gets killed and Krennic escapes. And But she gets to meet him one last time. So they go join up with the rebels. And they're like, okay, so this Death Star is a thing. It's a pretty bad deal. But my dad built a weakness into it. And they're all like, this is impossible. It's going to be really difficult to... We have to find the plans to the Death Star in order to be able to exploit this weakness. And they're like, well, the plans are on this planet called Scarif. Uh, let's take a team over there and get the plans. And they're like, no, we'll, it's way too costly. We'll we'll lose too many people. We're going to lose so many Bothans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I sent Bothans to get coffee once. All dead. <laughs> that was uh, episode six. Those were the plans they got. That was a different set of people. I know. Um, uh, they always send Bothans, though. <laughs> but at great cost. Yeah. So they're like, nope, we're not going to do it. And then Jin's like, you know what? I don't care. I'm going to do this because it's right. And I, wanted, I want to live up to my father's memory. So Cassian's like, well, here's these this group of guys and me. We've lived pretty rough lives. We've done some things we're not proud of for the rebellion. We want to sort of redeem ourselves a bit and sacrifice ourselves on the suicide mission to get this these plans and give us a shot at winning. Because if they don't destroy the Death Star, the galaxy is basically screwed. Oh, and then K2S says, like, I'm just here because Cassian told me to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he doesn't exactly trust Jin. Uh, so they go off on their, they seal a ship and go off on their own. What's your call sign? Rogue, Rogue One, roll credits. <gasps> roll credits. <laughs> so they go to Scarif and basically do a heist to get the plans. They infiltrate this facility and start fighting with the, um, Imperial garrison to create a distraction long enough for them to get the plans. And the rebel commanders sort of catch on to what's going on. And so they're like, they have a change of heart and send forces over to, um, they send forces over to Scarif to help fight the battle and get the Particularly plans. air support with the X-Wings and such. Mm -hmm. There's like sort of this massive shield over the whole planet so they can only get a few sh ships through at a time because there's like a s one gate that goes in and out. Krennic arrives to stamp out the rebel attack on the base and one by one as they get the plans they realize okay well we, we can't get off world so we have to beam this up to one of the ships and so they manage to do that and one by one the rebels start getting killed in, in battle including Trute and uh, Baze have a heroic last stand sort of thing and then the the pilot guy and uh, the rest of the crew. Yeah, he blows up the ship, and then mm -hmm. K2SO holds them off. holds off. Locks the door. And yep, and then Cassian 
and Jin have a sort of a showdown with Krennic at the signal tower and they kill Krennic or well incapacitate Krennic and she beams up the plans to a rebel ship which comes under attack by Darth Vader but they still manage to get the plans on board to a very familiar looking ship which then goes light speeds away from Vader um, but not before the Death Star shows up above Scarif, and it's like, yeah, let's uh, let's wipe out this little problem we have, mm-hmm. and they they blow up. Jin and Galen are, or or Cassian are stuck on the planet, so they just kind of slowly watch their death roll in, in the big explosion. But all these people, and there's like a lot of losses on the rebel side too, hence like the cost many lives lives to get us these plans. But they also gained <clears throat> hope. Mm-hmm. And that's where the the movie ends. And they end the movie the, basically immediately before A New Hope begins, with CGI Carrie Fisher. So, um, two Star Wars stories. What's the main through line? What? Okay, first of all, what do we like about these two films? Let's start with Solo. That's how it happened. Yeah. <laughs> There's just a lot of this stuff that's like uh, fun to see, right? I feel like these two were. Satisfied pretty mild, service-y. yeah, pretty satisfied like, hey, mild curiosities. Have an adventure with Han Solo. See how he got Chewie. Seeing how he got the ship, and hey, see how we met. See Lando. what the heck the Kessel Run justify an entire film based off of one like weird offhand because, remark mm-hmm. that George Lucas the threw in there. Isn't the Why time it's a distance? Because let's face it, every line, every background character, every piece of dirt in Star Wars has its own backstory created. Every by the grain band. of sand. Yeah, <laughs> I don't like sand. <laughs> but, but yeah, like Solo. It's 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 fun. It's a lot of okay. So that's how that it's happened. A, it's a heist movie. It's a the actor who plays young movie. Han Solo does a pretty good job. Um, directed by Ron Howard, who's a pretty decent director. It was half directed by Ron Howard. He yeah. took over halfway through production. That's right. It was a bit of a mess. At the this way point it in ended, it was pretty obvious. It was supposed to be like more because, like in the Clone Wars TV show, which we'll probably do an episode at some point, there's like these crime syndicates, right? And Darth Maul, psych, isn't dead. And there's this whole storyline with that. And so through some random shenanigans, he takes over all the major crime syndicates in the galaxy. So Crimson Dawn, which is sort of the main crime syndicate in this show, is run by the red man, Mr. Uh, Mr. Darth Maul here. And so they, they, it looked like they planned to expand on that, and it didn't really go anywhere because the film didn't do that well. But I don't know. It was, it's a decent enough film. I liked it much better the second time, that's for sure. Same. It's Star Wars. The special effects are good. And it's some there's just some fun characters and fun interactions. Yeah, I Woody like, Harrelson is his usual self. Um oh what's what's this? The Baca he do chew. But not not that kind uh, of Baca. You got Childish Gambino as yeah. uh Oh as, yeah, Donald as, Glover. As uh as a uh, young Lando, Lando. Which he does and a he pretty does, good job. Yeah. Uh I think they he kinda manages to manifest the personality and the, the mm-hmm. The the aesthetic of the movie is sort of this grungy sort of underworld side of Star Wars, so it's not all bright and shiny spaceships per se. Honestly, the only movies that were bright and shiny spaceships were the prequel trilogy. That's true. Like the the original vision of Star Wars was this very lived in future. Mm-hmm. More, um, what's the movie? A blade more Blade Runner than, than Star, Star Trek. Trek, right? Yeah. Uh. 
So yeah, that's about all I have to say about Solo. Good film, entertaining enough. It's fine. It's Star Wars. There's it's passable. Crazy, unique about it. Rogue One. There's a little more substance to it. So I guess what you guys like about Rogue One? Just a simple farmer, mm-hmm. sir. It's a waste. It, like a man of your talents. Where where um, Solo is more of a gangster heist movie. Um, Rogue One is a little has more of the vibe of a war movie. Yeah, um, which it's kind of neat that the outside of the main action adventure numbered series they have it's like weighty and grounded and centered on sacrifice. Yeah, it's against like, Im- against impossible odds. You're not looking at the the exceptions that overcome the impossible odds because protagonists they succumb to at, the impossible odds but manage to triumph. Because they have something there that's worth fighting for. Hope. Yes, there's... So that's... Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, you watch the the main characters die. Yeah, everyone dies. Like, I remember walking much. out of the movie, like, impressed that they did that. Like, I was like, dang, everybody dies, and yet it's super meaningful. Mm-hmm. That's, and, like, obviously because, like, well, where were they in the, in the original trilogy then? Oh, they're all dead. That makes sense. Right. So, like, it made sense from a storytelling standpoint, but it's like they managed to make it carries some weight it had story significance it was mm-hmm. good that, to nerd out a little bit about rogue one what some a lot of what i liked about it, like nathan said um it's filmed like a war movie i'm into war movies and so that whole aesthetic really jived with me but some of the cool things they did where i think they used the same types of lenses that they used when they filmed the original uh trilogy like episode four so like these old style lenses so it still has to really capture that aesthetic on modern lens on modern cameras but with old lenses say i capture that aesthetic which was super cool and the space battles and everything looked a lot like i think they did digital for this one right there were some cool moments i think with a lot of the recent star wars stuff in terms of like special effects they haven't gone full cg like they did in the prequel trilogy Mm -hmm. they've They've done a lot of blending Like even in the there's Mandalorian, a lot of practical effects, a lot of makeup, a lot of puppetry, mm-hmm. but it's all accented by CG and practical effects. So as much it's as hard to tell where the prosthetic ends and where the CG begins mm-hmm. sometimes, and that's a really cool feeling. It's just like that's just what, what that character looks like. It's not a costume. It's not a CG. It's just a character they've created. Mm-hmm. So that's something about the newer Star Wars stuff. That's like, yeah, I really dig that. There's some cooler, cool moments in there, like when Chirrut goes all force. Um, yeah, at the end of the movie when uh, he's he's making his last stand, mm-hmm. and he just has to hold them back for as long as possible, and he just closes his eyes and lets the force guide him. I'm one with the force, and the force is with me. It's he's that he, mantra he repeats. Then, like having his buddy carry. The rains afterwards. I think don't they have to like turn the power on so they can yeah. send the signal or something like that? And the death troopers are trying to stop them. So this is a really heroic moment. Um, and another one of my favorites probably is like when the uh, the rebel ship um, sacrifices itself by like um, running ramming into a de- uh, star destroyer, so it'll ram into another star destroyer. Sort of run into this shield generator or whatever. So the signal can get out. It's like a really, really cool moment, like visually and story-wise. Um, yeah. So 
I suppose. And then there's the the scene at the end where it just shows how scary Darth Vader is. And like he shows up and it's like he's this imposing figure in the back as the And there's this like fight sequence where he takes down a whole squad it's of rebels. Barely a fight sequence. It's a chase sequence. Yeah. There's like let's dive into horror quick. This is Darth Vader chasing you down and you've got the Death Star plans. <laughs> POV, you have the Death Star plans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ASMR. <laughs> Yoda eats a hamburger while your parents fight downstairs. ASMR. <laughs> so weird. Anyway, that wasn't part of this movie. No, that was something no. else. No. Um, but yeah, that's another cool moment. <laughs> Because I think in the original, you don't really get to see Darth Vader, Darth Vader, Darth Vader, Darth Vader fight like beyond his lightsaber duels in the original trilogy, if I'm not mistaken. Right. So seeing him as this vaguely mystical, just force, incredibly powerful force of evil that he is, it was pretty neat. I think Peter Jackson actually helped direct that sequence. He was just sort of on set that day and helped them sort it out. They Which were going is super for all cool. All sorts of directors. Yeah, I guess. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, I guess with uh, all that, then we'll talk about transcendental analysis. So truth between. Well, let's start with Solo. What truth can we pull from Solo, a Star Wars story? Well, actually, one thing that's kind of a through line in both of them is this um, idea that no matter what your background, people can come together for a cause, mm-hmm. right? So in Solo, he doesn't see himself as part of this rebellion, but he's he uh, his, he's sort of principal. He's a principled rogue. Right. Not exactly the best character, but, you know, he... He, he needs are, to start... He needs to end in a place where he can grow from Star Wars 4. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he helps so, these rebels, but he's not quite willing to dedicate himself to their cause. And in the movie, he's kind of torn between being the the criminal and being the hero, mm-hmm. um, where he's like, he's not cut out to be a hero, right? That's what he thinks. So he's got to do this whole crime boss thing. But uh, And he, his he lady can, friend, Kira, is very much like... She's like, no, get out of it while you still can, because mm-hmm. making these decisions is a very, very bad thing. She's and stuck in this world. a dark place, but she, she kind of does. She's stuck in this world, but she wants him to be able to live free among the stars. Um, they and see what spring is like on Jupiter mm-hmm. and Mars. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Fly me to the moon. That's no moon. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody on YouTube make that, please. Um. So yeah. Uh. I don't know. That, that's that's most of the stuff from Solo. Solo is not terribly deep as a movie. No. It's just a fun time. It's a fun time. But there's like the, the whole criminal aspect. And it's like, don't mm-hmm. get involved with that stuff because... You It'll get, only suck you deeper. Yeah, the it's a slippery slope. And you see him, by the time we get to him in Star Wars 4, he's in over his head in debt and bounties. And it's just not cool. Mm-hmm. Um, for Rogue One... I guess some of the truths are even in the most dire circumstances, hope is something worth fighting for. Like the hope that you might yet, you know, win or well not win, but you know, like 
achieve freedom for mm-hmm. you and the people you love. Jin's journey in the movie is sort of like she doesn't really care about much because everything she loved was taken from her. But over the course of the movie, she learns not to live for herself, but to live for others. Retiring to a nice agrarian lifestyle after you build a death machine mm-hmm. and is uh, is a good way to. Yeah. <laughs> and then you get sucked back into it anyway, but make up for it by making the fatal flaw in the Death Star on purpose. So, fix a thirty-year-old uh, plot hole. I love how both these movies are just little patches for minor plot holes. <laughs> for context, these are context movies, kind of. But uh, so yeah, there's Jin's whole thing, and then you have Cassian and Saw Gerrera, who are these rebels who have done kind of questionable and like morally gray things in service very ends justifying the means sort of thing Mm -hmm. and they sort of have a ship saw is like you know i'm tired from running and he's had a long life and fought a lot of battles he's like more of a machine than man he even has a mask that sounds a little bit like darth vader which sort of accentuates how like he's how far he's gone for his cause Mm -hmm. which has corrupted him to the point where he's barely recognizable as a human a lot of how like Darth Vader can no longer be recognized as human. And yet Darth Vader could be saved. Mm-hmm. And Sol Guerrero can also have a change of heart. Mm-hmm. And so he accepts his fate when this planet's getting blown up. Or not completely, but you know, by the Death Star. And accepts, accepts his fate. And Cassian sort of has a, re- a change of heart as well where he doesn't kill Jin's father. Because um, he's like, okay, maybe not everything... Maybe I don't see this very clearly and I don't need to, you know, do what I think is right, even if it's morally wrong. Or, well, you know, like... What I think is necessary. Right, necessary. For what, it's is, mor- for what I think is right. I mean, Galen ends up getting killed anyway, but not by his hand. And he's he recognizes... He and his other um, war like uh, soldiers realize they need to... They want to make up for their sort of things that they weren't proud of doing in the name of freedom. So they sacrifice themselves for others' freedom. So and that's that, and that sacrifice is what eventually does buy other people's freedoms. Mm-hmm. So they, they, everyone gets. You get redemption. You get redemption. Everyone gets redemption. And even, even the, 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 the pilot. The, the imperial pilot who ran away because he was a coward. Mm-hmm. The, his his actually um, his entire character for the most of the movie is punctuated by his cowardice. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the movie, he makes the the brave move to um, to sacrifice himself. He lures a bunch of guys into the ship and then blows up the ship. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, I suppose we're kind of getting into goodness now. I suppose. So yeah, self-sacrifice, a very good thing. Yes. Owning up to your mistakes and trying to make things right, also good. Fighting to give others hope in the darkest of times, also good. Gambling um, away a ship. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, so that's how it happened. Oh, oh so that's how it happened. Also good. <laughs> I guess any uh, any further comments on the goodness in these films? Pretty clean. 
you know, it's Star you, Wars, you, so you nothing. You get to see the um the like beginnings not, of a kind of kinship with Han and, and Chewie. Chewie. Yep. Uh, when they're on the uh the the mining planet of it's Kessel, sort uh, of a friendship of convenience at first. At first, um, but over the course of the movie, they get closer. And then while they're making the escape from Kessel, um, when they're in the mines, Chewie recognizes uh, other Wookiees from his tribe and goes to help them and save them Mm -hmm. uh, while things are just kind of falling apart because Robot Lady is starting rebellion for no reason. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the end of the movie, after they, or not at the movie, at the end of that scene, when they've saved all the prisoners and they're about to fly away, uh, Chewbacca makes the choice to stay with his friend uh, mm-hmm. and let his family uh, escape. Mm-hmm. Because turns out Han still needs him, and so that was that, that's kind of cool. You get to see the beginnings of that. It's not terribly deep, but it's well, the whole movie's not terribly deep, but it's a good but time. There's, there's there's always something. It's good. Um, Rogue One, I think we covered a lot of goodness in there. Uh, beauty. What is beautiful about these two films? Well, they're Star Wars. They're fun to watch. Yeah, that's true. Like, the level of artistry... You have to commend the level of artistry that goes into every Star Wars film. Like, all the character designs are super... Character designs, I, I li- set designs. I like designs. how cohesive it feels with the other Star Wars stuff, too. People have like spent inter- years and years building a very lived-in world for us to enjoy. And, yeah, every every background character every little robot in the background has its own backstory and um, it, it may not always be like scientifically accurate or no. plausible but it's all like cohesive in itself mm-hmm. right that and it's it's just like yeah it's star wars it's it's got a vibe to it mm-hmm. you know very lovingly crafted by the people who make it right you special tell- effects are always great oh yeah for the time i mean you know looking back on the old star wars i don't know a, a lot of it still kind of holds up Maybe not all of it. But, also, you know. also, in terms of beauty, they do a, lo- a really good job emulating John, the John Williams soundscape. Mm-hmm. It's not actually him composing, but they ch- use a lot of the same kinds of instruments and a lot of the and borrow from a lot of the light motifs. Mm-hmm. So musically, it is very inspired by and feels at home in Star Wars. John Williams and John Powell did solo, and a different guy did Rogue One. But yeah, okay. But he, but yeah, he was involved with the whole thing. So it's like, it it feels again cohesive with the rest of the Star Wars, but also, it's good stuff. It's John Williams. It's Star Wars music, you know. Mm-hmm. It's adventurous. It's lighthearted when it needs to be. It's also kind of scary when it needs to be. It's good. Mm-hmm. I like it. Um, good acting, score, special effects. Oh yeah, all that good stuff. Character design, fantastic. It's Star Wars. Unity. I suppose we just sort of touched on Unity. All these extra extended universe projects, I mean, for the most part, have sort of helped flesh out the Star Wars universe set up by the films in ways that the films didn't have time for Yeah. with what they were trying to do. And Star Wars is it's a, such a big, big galaxy that they, there's a lot of stories you can tell. Right. And these and Mandalorian and Clone Wars and Rebels all kind of they, there's space for all of them mm-hmm. in this space 
Space. 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 You want to go to space? Space. Space. One thing they do to signify that this isn't a a Star Wars movie, but it's a Star Wars story, is at the beginning it says a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, but it doesn't do the traditional. The 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 opening crawl. Yeah, Yeah. opening crawl. They're omitted from the story, which is a good way at providing continuity in the Star Wars, while also distinction. Right. That wasn't the best English worded sentence, but. You get the it, idea. It, 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 it was fine. It was yeah. fine. I got. I got. Yeah, but you understand point. things I say that don't make sense to most other people. <laughs> that is true. That Honestly, is true. Um, this is not so much about Solo and, um, but well, you mentioned the uh, the opening thing, but they also don't omit omit the crawl. Um, they 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 tried something else in Mandalorian where the opening. Uh, this is Star Wars thing borrows too much from marvel and mm-hmm. it bothers me yeah just do the a long time ago in a galaxy far far away and just call flash it star wars on screen and then go into the movie you don't have to show all these helmets half only half of which i care about because mm-hmm. you've got kylo ren and the first order stormtrooper instead of regular stormtrooper it's like, look at all this branding it's like we don't care i i just 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 let me watch my star wars this is in fairness, Kylo Ren was the coolest. That's he was true, the one arc that worked. He should have been the main character. Anyway, this we're not. The salt we cast. already had a salt cast, sort of retro, retroactively had a salt cast on uh, the, the sequel trilogy. But yeah. So an- another thing with the unity with these two films, quick, is that I mean, with Solo, it's like a little bit like I mean, okay, sure, but. We didn't really need that. But these two films do a lot to flesh out and uh, fill a couple plot holes in some cases. But they don't muddy the waters of the original continuity of the Star Wars films. Right. They don't add a bunch of stuff that's like, huh, how does that work? Because, Mm -hmm. you know, all the characters at the end of Rogue One die. Mm -hmm. From a storytelling and writing standpoint, they do a good job of keeping everything coherent. It's like, oh, so it turns out the reason the, that C-3PO could talk to the Millennium Falcon and it's got the best Navi computer on in the galaxy is because it, they uploaded There's, this robot into it. That's Because mm-hmm, she was going to die. That's cool. So they saved her life by uploading her into the Falcon. So there's like a bunch of little stuff like that that's like, oh, okay, I can see where that what, you, what you're doing with that. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little ham-fistedly presented, but yeah, still good stuff. It's like, hey, hey, look at this. You know this character. He shows up in the cantina to die later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm wanted on seven systems. But, yeah, good stuff. Yeah. Can recommend these films. If you like Star Wars, you'll like these. Unless, they're, well, they're, well, I mean, imagine. They're not I mean, perfect, but they're good. That's Star Wars as a whole. Yeah. Generally speaking. True enough. Except maybe, like, the latter seasons of Clone Wars. Those are darn near. Oh my gosh, those are so good. We should talk about we're, yeah, we're going to have to do a Clone Wars. Um, yeah, Riley's got to get through lots of Clone mm-hmm. Wars. Yeah. We're awesome. sort of beginning Season 2 of Rebels. It gets better at the end of Season 1. Yeah. It's, you guys will have to sauce me the, the login. I will have to get the login. Yeah. But in the meantime, uh, while we do all that stuff... Thanks for listening to the Play and Papists. 
You can listen to us on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Palpapists. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or complaints, or suggestions for future episodes, email us at palladypapists at gmail.com. So yeah, um, well, it was a two for today because these Not films were... Go for a whole episode on each, but... It was enough between the two to do an episode we got, so yeah, there, there you are. We will uh, be talking to you again next week. Adios. Bye.